0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Happy Easter, my friends. We are walking and living in the reality and the power of the resurrection. Resurrection power is moving among us just as it has been for 2,000 years, and we continue in this season of Easter to focus on the resurrection and its implications for our life together. The momentum has started when Jesus rose from the grave and it still continues to, take to, to gain ground. And that's what our sermon series is about these next seven weeks, momentum. Now, one definition of momentum is this, strength or force gained by motion or by a series of events. The example, the wagon gained momentum as it rolled down the hill. Or you might think of a snowball, right? It starts small, it gains mass and speed and force and impact. The momentum builds so much so that the impact could change your life. That's what snowballs coming down force and strength can do. Watch out. That was part of the definition there. I don't know if you heard it. Strength or force gained by motion or by a series of events. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that phrase there, a series of events. And if we think of Jesus and we think of a series of powerful events, we can see how the momentum builds, like a snowball rolling down a hill or a car speeding down the road. We think of the events that, first of all, Jesus is born. God himself takes on flesh. Jesus starts his earthly public ministry, preaching, teaching, and healing. And he sets his gaze toward Jerusalem. And there he's arrested He's crucified he's buried and Jesus was raised on the 3rd day all these powerful events leading up to that pinnacle event easter the resurrection the victory over sin and death and the gift of life for all and as we see in the book of acts the momentum The momentum, it kept growing. The strength and the force of the resurrection of Jesus. The church, it started small and it started rolling down the metaphorical snowy hill and the snowball grew. There are all sorts of events and acts of motion that increase the momentum of the work of the Spirit in the church so that the gospel will be brought to all peoples, all nations. And so 2,000 years later, here we are. 2.3 billion Christians in the world. I'd say the momentum picked up, right? And in our text today, we just read a bunch of texts, and in those texts today, we see some of the forces of this momentum-building reality. You might say reconciling momentum or momentum of reconciliation. Now, sometimes when we hear that word reconcile, you might think accounting, kind of the old school way. you got to reconcile your checking account, Right? You got to balance that checkbook see that checkbook right there some of you younger folks you don't know what that is all right that's a checkbook I barely use mine anymore but remember the days of sitting down and balancing it all out and reconciling it with the with the bank statement to make sure everything is copacetic and working well and you got enough money in the bank well is that what we're talking about when we're talking about the momentum of reconciliation? Not completely, but a little bit. I'll get there. If you look up the word reconcile in the dictionary, one of the definitions is this. It's to restore friendly relations between. The example is she wanted to be reconciled with her father. Another example is to cause, to coexist in harmony, to make or show, to be compatible. And the financial one is there too. Make one account consistent with another. But I like that first definition there. It says to restore friendly relationships between. To make peace, to have peace between entities, between people, between groups. Now, we just read a lot of scriptures a moment ago, but not one of them had the actual word reconciliation in the text. But we do see the restoration of relationships between people on multiple levels. But I want you to pause and I want you to think about that for a second. To reconcile is to restore a relationship. I want you to think, do you think that any relationships need to be restored as a result of what has happened in the world in the past 13 months? Do you have any relationships in your life that need restoration? I heard a story on the radio just the other day that uh, the past 13 months have really caused a lot of tension and a lot of friendships, a lot of families, a lot of relationships, relationships even in the church. And the need for reconciliation is on the rise. Now, in our text today, while we don't see the word reconciliation, we do see reconciliation. We see the restoration of a huge relationship. A relationship that was torn apart by the pandemic of sin. Most significantly, Peter and Jesus. Peter had vowed allegiance to Jesus, right? He's going to die for Jesus. But instead, Peter denied him. Three times, the rooster crowed. And Peter wept bitterly. The relationship was severed. It was torn And it was definitely not friendly, at least from Peter's side, right? Peter had severed himself from his rabbi, from his friend, from his Lord, from his Messiah, from Jesus. But God, Jesus did not give up on the relationship. He did not give up on Peter. It's why in our gospel reading from last Sunday, Easter Sunday, the angel, if you remember, told Mary, Mary and Salome, go, tell his disciples and Peter, He's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Now, remember, Peter is a disciple, right? But Peter is singled out because God wants Peter to know that he will be restored. Despite his terrible breach of faith, despite the denial of even knowing Jesus and calling down all these curses. God wants Peter and all of us to know that Jesus does not give up on his disciples. No matter how great their failure, no matter how many their faults, no matter how far a journey they need to travel, no matter how indebted they are, Jesus died and rose to restore Peter, to restore us, to restore the world to God. That, my friends, is reconciliation of the highest order. And in our gospel reading, we read a moment ago from the gospel of John, we saw Peter, right? He's in Galilee fishing, and we see Jesus. And then on the shore, Jesus calls out to them, and John says to Peter, it's the Lord. And Peter jumps in the water, and he's swimming to Jesus. He's thirsting and striving and longing for reconciliation. And Jesus asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? me? Perhaps that's the drive home that it's more about Jesus' love for Peter than Peter's love for Jesus. Three times he tells Peter, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, feed them. Jesus is restoring his relationship with Peter, reconciling Peter to himself. But the reconciliation isn't just about Jesus and Peter. It's about Jesus and all his disciples, all his followers, and the life that he has prepared for them, prepared for us. And that's where we see this reconciling momentum building. You see, when what we see happening in the gospel reading, in the story of Peter and the disciples and the fishing and and, uh, Jesus reinstating Peter. What we see in that life, live with Peter and Jesus talking on the shore and eating fish in Galilee. Well, St. Paul, he explains it. He explains it more like a a teacher and in sort of a global application sort of way. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, St. Paul says, Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Resurrection power. Jesus died to give us life. And our new life is to live for him. St. Paul continues on and says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation Wow, so much in there, and I love it, I love it. All this is from where? It's not from me, it's not from the world, it's not from the media, it's not from commerce, it's not from reason. From God. And to be reconciled to God in Christ is an act of sovereign restoration and creative power, listen to this, that is as magnificent and miraculous as the creation of the world. St. Paul shows to us here that reconciliation is, is, is an expression of God's new creation. And by this, God transforms not only our motivations, but also our way of life. And it all is from God. God reconciled Peter and us to himself. We didn't reconcile God to us. But I don't know if you heard that kicker in the last part of verse 18. It says, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's scary, that's nerve wracking. But also that's where the mo- momentum starts to build and starts to multiply. In St. Paul, he explains this ministry of reconciliation in verse 19. He said, This ministry of reconciliation is that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting. Not counting people's sins against them. You see that word counting there? That's where the checkbook reconciling thing comes in. That word counting is a mathematical and accounting term in the Greek language of the New Testament. It means to determine by mathematical process, to reckon, to calculate, like balancing your checkbook. But when God tried to reconcile our checkbooks with the actual accounts, humanity fell terribly short because we have been writing and cashing checks with no money in the bank since the Garden of Eden. That's sin. It's why we were taught to pray in Matthew chapter 6 and forgive us our debts. And that's exactly what God in Jesus Christ did. He didn't count our sins. He didn't count our debts against us. He forgave our debts. He took that debt on the cross and he reconciled us to himself. So that we might continue the reconciling momentum. St. Paul continues and says, he has committed to us, he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. My friends, that is amazing. First, that God has reconciled us to himself, forgiving our debt, restoring the relationship But then just like Peter, he is telling us to feed the sheep. He's telling us to go take care of his sheep. He's restoring his relationship with us and calling us to deliver the restorative hope of Jesus to others. The ministry of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. Making us ambassadors of peace. Did you hear that? Making his appeal to the world... Through us. Now for Peter, it looked like him being reinstated as a disciple. And he was preaching in the book of Acts and healing and became a pillar of the New Testament church. And in our Acts reading, we see that reconciliation didn't just bring peace with God, but peace between God's people. Acts 4.32, I love this. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Reconciliation with God leads to reconciliation and unity with God's people. I don't think we can overemphasize the importance of us being reconciled to God and by implication being reconciled to each other because that's where the momentum starts to build. And believers begin to take on the debts of others. And sometimes literally, we just read that, right? Acts chapter 4. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. The ministry of reconciliation was for the benefit of others and sometimes for material needs. And in fact, I've been so blessed this past year. I've seen personally many of you in the congregation, you've come to me and said, Pastor, it's been a rough year, but we have some resources. Is there someone in the church I can help out financially? It just happened this past Friday. I love that. Reconciliation manifesting in care for one another. It's humbling and it's powerful to see among our church. And on the other side of it, we can say if we are not reconciled to each other, the mission of the church suffers. When we don't have unity, Our witness to the world that God has called us to be ambassadors to, our witness becomes strained, it becomes tempered, it becomes distorted. And so perhaps today, as we are gathered here, and we're all grateful, we're gathered here grateful for the fact that God has reconciled us to himself. I know it's why you're in the room this morning. We can also ask the question, Does any reconciliation need to happen with someone in my life? I know it's not easy. And some people, you just can't be reconciled to. There's something on their end that God needs to break down. But I do think that there are a whole lot of people in your life that you can be reconciled to. There might be someone in your life. Think about it. The past 13 months have put a strain on your relationship. It's not friendly anymore. Words may have been said. Social media posts may have gotten out of hand. An issue may have been polarized unnecessarily. And now your relationship is fractured. I hope that you could have a conversation with whoever that is, that you'll pray for yourself, that you will pray for them. That you will ask for forgiveness, that you will give forgiveness, that you will listen, that you will be listened to, that you will put the best construction on everything, that you will look at the big picture, that you will see the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of people, and that you would be reconciled to one another. And sometimes I think, Is it, how, how can I do it? You're not going to be able to do it on your own, that's for sure. You're going to need to rely on the restored, reconciled relationship that you have with Jesus. And remember that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. And it's only by that power that you're able to love sacrificially, whether it's your spouse or your parents or your kids or your classmates or your neighbor or your co-worker or even your enemies. Because, my friends, without reconciliation with God and with each other, the mission of Jesus Christ suffers. And when the mission suffers, the world suffers. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Imagine the momentum. Imagine the reconciling momentum. Here was the definition. Strength or force gained by motion or by a series of events. Imagine the momentum from a series of events that we all create this week. Imagine the momentum if all of us went here today and reconciled and restored just one relationship in our lives. Go. Go. That's momentum. Go. Tell his disciples and Peter. Amen? Amen.